Marty watched Glick open the door to place the off-the-books cash on the closet shelf. He could testify that he had never seen the cash in any bagman's hands and speak the truth. All the bagman knew was that the money would be counted and verified later, and everything better match up, or else. Suddenly he realized that Myron Glick stood frozen with the closet door half open. The door blocked his view, but he could tell that the bagman's face seemed white as a sheet. Marty drew in breath to yell for the boys when the door slammed open. Myron Glick staggered back against the desk. He started to move his hands. Quickly he thought better of it. Only then did Marty the banker see the figure as it took a couple steps out of the closet. A shapeless black cloak draped the apparition from shoulder to heel. One hand extended through a narrow slit in the thing. That hand held a big automatic pistol. Looked like the military model the former Doughboys liked so much. The snout of the piece pointed square between Marty and Myron. Marty looked up where the face should be. His own miniature face looked back at him, all bent and stuff. Instead of a head, a perfect sphere sat firmly atop the shoulders. A perfect sphere that was also a perfect mirror. Marty mouthed three words. The Moon Man. A muffled voice came from behind that mirror. A voice that meant serious business. Don't move, or else... Neither man moved as the black figure with the shining head strode quickly to the office door. He reached the door just as Larry the Lug barged through. Larry paused as he saw his boss unhurt and the visitor not in a threatening posture. Then he glimpsed something moving toward him from the side. A split second later, the butt of the Colt Model 1911 automatic pistol made some minor indentations in his scalp. The Lug became a lump on the floor. A moment later, the pistol roared once. Marty heard a strangled groan from Dylan, the official guard. A single word came from behind the globe of glass. Don't! Lefty, the last man in the outer office, apparently didn't. The globe spoke again. He's only creased. Lock the outside door, then haul him in here. Dylan's face contorted with pain as Lefty helped him into the office. They passed just out of reach of the moon man. Suddenly, Dylan's face widened as his eyes focused on the Argus glass globe. You look different at Samir's, he said through clenched teeth. The moon man closed and locked the door behind them. Settle down, he told the group. Marty here is just going to make a charitable contribution. The cops may show up here because of that shot. I'll bet one of you shot his buddy while cleaning your gun. I'm not going to touch your above-board money. There's no robbery if nothing is stolen. I am going to clean out your closet, Marty. That will help a bunch of people on hard times. You will come looking for me. Look all you want. But there is an imposter in town. Watch out. He's got lots of help. With that, the moon man's other hand emerged from the cloak to pick up the phone. Police headquarters, he told the operator. Headquarters? This is a concerned citizen. I just saw the Moon Man in the Wall Tower building, on the third floor. Where is he now? I got one look at that shiny head of his and ducked into an empty office. Grabbed a phone. Don't know if he's still here. With that, the Moon Man hung up the phone and backed into the closet. As he pulled the heavy metal door closed, he said, 
I know all about your emergency tunnel, Marty, and how to block it. This money will do a lot of good. Just beware of false moon men. Five minutes later, Steve Thatcher carried two bags up a set of outside basement stairs, two blocks over from Marty the banker's office. One bag contained the whole contents of Marty's closet. That could be sorted later. The other sack held the box that protected the precious Argus glass globe and the other regalia of the Moon Man. The outlaw's heavy autoloader rested there as well. He now carried his official thirty-eight caliber police-issue revolver. Steve himself wore painter's overalls with glasses and a few splotches of paint on his skin for good measure. He walked a block to where a painter's truck waited. As soon as he climbed into the passenger's side, the vehicle smoothly slipped into gear and pulled away from the curb. Steve looked over at the other painter who drove. Even with the painter's cap pulled low, the beauty of Sue's features could not be hidden from Steve. He reached over and gently pulled one hand from the steering wheel. He kissed the hand. Thank you, sweetheart, he told her.